and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. So before I introduce the main act of today, um, I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts to set this up um, that I've been having this week. So here at Q, um, we've understood the, the Q is to mean quest. Some like the idea of Q meaning questioning, and I really feel that as an organization, that's something that we highly promote, to, be, to give people a safe space to be able to ask questions and to really challenge some of the status quo that, that we've, been, we've been given. Uh, one of the things I was thinking is how we're all on a quest for meaning in our lives. And you see this within the context of the church, and you also see it outside of the church. Um, within this quest, quest, we face the daily challenge of who and what is our identity based on both our inner journey and the social struggle we can face as we interact with people in our lives. Identity is the sense of who we are. It holds a kind of paradox, continuity, but also growth and change. It's a journey of integration of thought and action. Labels as a way to define and articulate either real or perceived identity are a huge part of this process and can be created both internally and externally. Labels aren't inherently wrong. They can be both useful, but also dangerous, leading to both fruitful and tragic outcomes. Now, one of the great discoveries of the Western world, despite some of its issues, was that group identity should never be held as primary means of viewing humanity. The individual was held as sovereign and unique the embodiment of diverse thoughts and ideas. This moved us away from tribalism, which tended to be bound by a creed or by a dogma. Now, when I was looking up in the dictionary, the idea of group identity and where this stems from was a really, really nice understanding of it. It says, group identity is our sense of belonging to a particular group. It is a self-perception that is influenced by social factors, such as intrapersonal interaction or shared physical characteristics. So some examples of group identity might be things like LGBTQ, Christianity, conservatism, liberalism, socialism, BLM, Me Too, feminism. There's a whole list of them. And there were some great talks way back, a few years back, about isms. And if you want to check them out, go on online, because it's absolutely incredible to, to delve more into that understanding. Now, is there anything wrong with connecting to like-minded people over collective ideals? I would say not. Groups can also be those which celebrate achievement, culture, food, success, history. 
but they can also be founded on trauma and a common enemy, which ultimately becomes its cornerstone. If a group identity is threatened, rather than being willing to question it, it is often defended and preserved at all costs, as to maintain the feeling of safety and certainty to those that it serves. The security of the group can come at the cost of one's own journey. That which initially helped us can become a hindrance. We associate by our matching labels as opposed to our differences. This in itself can create segregation, division, and prevent healthy social interactions. In fact, detracting from the group can terrify us because it has become our very fortress. This is how I felt when I was growing up. I was a good Christian, a Bible reader, a churchgoer. My identity was wrapped up in my religious group, and when trying to connect with people of other persuasions or ideas, it not only terrified me, but I rejected their ideas as completely wrong, simply because it contradicted my own worldview. I don't know whether that's, you understand that from your own journey and, and where you've been in your own life. Q has values that connect us as a group, but not at the cost of the individual or individuality. This can provide a space of true freedom and expression, but also potentially create a feeling of vulnerability and insecurity. We have recognized that the group is only healthy when it actively promotes discourse and disagreement whilst challenging the status quo. So to expand on my opening thoughts, I would like to welcome our speaker for today, ML, who's gonna take us on a journey to learn more about labels and identity. Some of you may have already met Amel. She started attending um, in the latter part of last year, brought along by Hannah, who's also a wonderful part of our community here. Um, she's really excited to share our thoughts. It is gonna be more, slightly longer talk today because I wanted to enable her to really um, be able to share like the depth of what she's come to and then I'll just offer some closing thoughts at the end. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Amel, it's over to you. Hello. <laughs> well, firstly, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to give this talk. Um, I've been coming to Q for a while now, and I think it's just such a warm and safe and welcoming space for everyone to just explore their thoughts, their ideas, and just get to know each other. And some of you might know me, a lot of you won't. So I thought we'd start today's talk with a little introduction. So telepathically, in your mind, introduce yourself to me. Tell me a bit about yourself. Right, well, thank you very much. Show of hands, who told me their name? Their age, occupation, hobbies or interests? Yeah, well, very nice to meet you all. I'm ML, I'm 23, currently studying a PhD in cognitive neuroscience, which is not as intimidating as you think, I promise. <laughs> but yeah. Um, social interaction depends on knowing who you are, so you know how to think and what to do. But it also depends on knowing who others are, so you know what they'll think and what they'll do. It's predicting what they're going to do. We come up with these like rule books and scripts in our minds. And as humans, we can think about ourselves, about who we are, who we'd like to be, and how we want other people to see us. 
And one way we do this is through the use of labels. What labels did you use to introduce yourself to me? Do you think those labels tell me enough about you? I find it interesting that the labels we use to introduce ourselves often don't actually say a lot about us. So let's try this again. I want you to think of somebody, a loved one, a friend, a family member. Introduce them to me. Tell me a bit about them. Now I want you to compare how you introduce yourself with how you introduce your person. Did anyone introduce themselves using traits? I'm kind, I'm caring, I'm a good listener. Those things are way more useful to me than your job or your name even. Your name doesn't tell me how I want to interact with you or whether I even want to interact with you, right? Do I know more about your person than I do about you? Now, Danny would have loved this, I can't believe he's not here, but the etymology of introduce is intro, to the inside, and juice, to lead. To lead to the inside. Do you think you did that when you introduced yourself to me? Did you lead me inside? Did you let me see a part of your soul, your essence? Why do we even use labels? Is it to help us, or is it mainly for the benefit of others? Well, I came up with a few ways that it can help us. So, labels help us understand ourselves. They can help us navigate and make sense of our identity or articulate and define aspects of our identity. And labels can empower us by providing a sense of belonging and allowing us to connect with communities that share similar experiences and identities. But the ways label can help others is that labels help others understand us. They promote empathy. By acknowledging and recognizing differences between us, labels can promote a diverse and inclusive environment. But most importantly, labels can be helpful for efficient communication, enabling quicker understanding and interaction among people. So labels can be great, a very useful tool in self-discovery and to share knowledge and communicate. But labels can also form a lot of barriers. So do they help or hinder us? Well, I came up with five themes. So these themes kind of summarize, aha, uh -huh. these themes kind of summarize the reasons why labels can help us. But guess what? They're the exact same reasons why labels hinder us. So let's get into it. Labels can help make communication efficient. Labels can help categorize and articulate thoughts and feelings, compartmentalize situations and behaviors. Even our brain does this, right? The brain region responsible for memories and the brain region responsible for emotions are very close together because the brain labels our memories with emotions, just like the film in Inside Out, you know? But we're also communicating something by, about ourselves when we say, I'm not that. Have you ever done a personality test and it's come back and you're like, no, that's not me, that's, no, that's not right. Well, that tells you something as well. It lets you know what you think about yourself. So labels can help categorize our thoughts and feelings and make things easier to understand for us and for others. Sounds pretty great. But labels can be a barrier when you just don't know the right words. They can also create misunderstandings and hinder communication because one label could mean something else for different people, right? 
soulmates, God. I went through life thinking, I don't believe in God. But then I got older and I thought, well, I don't believe in God, but I believe in something. And then it became, I don't believe in God, but I believe in the universe. And so many people say, well, aren't they the same thing? Yes, like, but no, not for me. You know, I'm, my God feels different to yours. I don't even use the name God, right? But yet, you try to understand me by using your own label for a belief that belongs to me, a belief that I created, a belief that I made for me. And labels can limit our curiosity about a person. Our interest in exploring some, some like connection they have with someone can end because we think we know who they are. So in this kind of context, if you say you're a Christian, well, that doesn't really tell me a lot about your belief. I don't know the nuance and details of your belief. I know you're a Christian, yeah, but that's not followed up with, so what are your beliefs? Christianity is the answer, Christianity is the belief, but you're gonna have things about Christianity that you don't agree with. You're gonna have beliefs that don't fit into Christianity, but you're never asked about that. You just say you're a Christian, end of conversation. Now, moving on to identity. I've said labels help us explore ourselves and articulate and define aspects of our identity. So our, lab uh, our behavior can influence the labels we're given, but it also works the other way around. The labels we use can influence our behavior and self-esteem. We are what we think we are, and we use this strategy of fake it till you make it with, confident, uh, with like confidence and positive labels like that. If you think you're a winner, you're gonna act like a winner. Um, even if you're not, you're gonna act like a winner until you become one. And using positive labels like this, ambitious, kind, smart, it makes you happy and gives you a positive outlook. It encourages you to achieve more, and if you believe in yourself, you overcome life's challenges. You take more risks, which leads to self-development and growth. So labels can give you a sense of your identity, and they can be quite empowering. But they can also become a source of identification. So one label can overpower individual factors of a person. And if this is paired with the expectation or stereotype based on that label, then you've got a real problem. So when you think about disability, for example, the disability overpowers your other characteristics and being associated with assumptions and stereotypes of that label. And I said labels can help us fake it till we make it, right? Using labels to influence our behavior and self-esteem. We do the same for negative labels. I'm an idiot, a failure, I'm selfish, I'm ugly. Using negative labels for yourself in that way can be self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you believe you're an idiot, you'll dumb yourself down. You'll restrict your potential because you're confining yourself to a negative label. So whether labels are positive or negative, given to us by others or us, we are what we think we are. And this has great influence on our self-concept and dictates the direction of our thoughts and our actions. Now a story comes to mind when I think about the pros and cons of labels in this way. The story of this kid who runs to his grandfather all riled up and angry. And the grandfather goes, I know what you're feeling, I've felt it too. We all have two wolves inside of us that are viciously fighting each other. One is evil, it feeds on anger and guilt and jealousy. And one is good, it feeds on joy and love and trust. 
And the boy goes, well, who's going to win? Which wolf will win? And the grandfather says, well, the one you feed. And it relates back to what Danny mentioned last week about the color of the pearl in the oyster depending on what the oyster is feeding on. Be mindful about what labels you feed on. Now, finding your sense of identity also allows you to find a sense of belonging and power with people you relate to, a community. In a community, support for people with specific labels can be found more easily. Find a you can find a community that understands the challenges you're facing, and you're finding others who can offer moral support or advice on dealing with the challenges that you're facing. And this is really helpful for people to feel less alone, being surrounded by like-minded people. A community with a common label can be such a powerful moment of unity. But by building a community based on a specific label, you risk having outcasts. So I saw a video where people closed their eyes and somebody went around and put little colored dot stickers on their foreheads. And they said, okay, you can open your eyes and I want you to group yourselves in silence. That was a challenge, they had to do it in silence. And they did it. So you had a group of green and a group of orange. But they weren't told to do that. They just silently chose to group themselves based on the color of the sticker on their forehead. And two people were left out, a red sticker and a blue sticker. Now the main message behind this is just to be inclusive, you know? But what I found most interesting was that the two people who didn't belong stood together. They looked lost and confused without a sense of belonging, but they stood together. They were their own group. And I think Q is a little like this. It's a group of people all with different colored stickers on their foreheads, but we're all aware of this. We're all aware that we have different beliefs and different ways of thinking, but we stand together, untethered by expectations and the need to meet these expectations or to fit in. At least that's how I feel. <laughs> and in a similar way to how labels can help us find like-minded people, labels also help us understand our differences in needs, in personality, in cultures. For example, going back to disabilities, a label can provide a clear explanation for your experience. And this could leave, lead to you receiving the right support and treatment. Like a student with ADHD having more time in exams. And as I said at the start, labels help others understand us and promote empathy. Highlighting differences can promote a diverse and more inclusive environment. But labeling someone as different can lead to negative outcomes like feelings of rejection and discrimination. And it can affect someone's mental health and self-esteem, especially if they're told they can't do something, which leads to expectations. Labels can be helpful in terms of expectations, believe it or not. With labels, there's often a category prototype. Now, this represents an ideal or typical example of that label. And this can set useful expectations and provide meaningful goals. For example, if you think of the Q community, there's this category prototype with the expectation that we're respectful, we're good listeners. And this encourages us to be more open-minded and sets the expectation and goal of making Q a supportive and understanding space, which I think you all do a pretty good job of. Well done. <laughs> so labels can be great for setting up expectations and having a goal to work towards but they can lead to stereotypes, which can come with stigma and discrimination. And these stereotypes can result in unrealistic expectations 
or expecting less from someone despite what they're capable of. So here's an example from a show called Lessons in Chemistry. It's set in 1950s, so the protagonist is a chemist who hosts a cooking show, um, but she cooks in the most scientific way. So as she's cooking, she's essentially teaching her audience science, and the audience loves it. They're so inspired. Um, but this clip shows how labels can set expectations that you can't do something. I love that little reveal when she's like stepping away from the desk and you see like all the trousers that she's wearing and like <laughs> you're like, whoa. Um, but no, there were a few labels that were holding her back there and the main one was that she was a woman, just a housewife. But sometimes labels come from other people and can have a huge impact on our self-perception. My husband likes to say what I like in smarts, I make up for an effort. She dims her light to fit that label given to her. But the video shows that all it takes is one person to point and call out your light, encouraging you, and you suddenly find yourself trying to shine a little brighter. And later in the season, she comes back to say thank you, and she's studying medicine. So do me a favor. If you notice someone dim their light, point and call it out to them. One person did this for me like a couple years ago, and it has honestly been life-changing. So please, please do it. So we've seen labels can set expectations that you can't do something, but it also works the other way around. So here's an example of how labels can set expectations that you ought to do something. She ends up asking him out and they're dating and it's all happily ever after. But when you view life through the lens of labels, women should do this and men should do this, there's no consideration of the bigger picture, their personality or their interests. The main way I think labels hinder us is that they convey something absolute, all or nothing. And labels can be difficult to shrug off once they're decided, and this can prevent your growth. So one of my favorite artists have a song called Ordinary-ish People. It goes a little something like this. I'm not gonna sing, I'm just gonna read the lyrics and get you covering your ears. So, your happy friends call you depressing, because you wonder why we're all alive. Your downer friends think you're too happy, because you still celebrate sometimes. Your pretty friends, they call you ugly. Your ugly friends, they call you vain. No, you're not stupid, you're just special. Well, that's what all your smart friends say. So, the take-home message from this, apart from the fact they clearly need new friends, <laughs> it's that we can't win. You can't please everybody and it's exhausting to try. And it also highlights that such labels are based on the people around us, right? Maybe we're not the issue, it's the people we surround ourselves with. So many people I know think they're too much and to, be, to avoid being perceived as too much, they can dim their light and that's a really sad world to live in. So do me another favor. Surround yourself with people who allow you to be you. Life's too short to live it dimly and trying to fit into boxes just to please others. So here's a video that argues we are more than our labels.
My favorite bit is that last bit, this idea that when you show a different part of yourself, it's like, no, my identity hasn't actually changed. It's been me all along. I'm just pulling back the curtain and now you're seeing more of me. So I think so far we've established that labels can be really stressful. <laughs> when you believe you can't change because of a label, you start to cement the assumptions that you can't do certain things. And life becomes much more stressful when you're trying to navigate your way through it, avoiding tasks that you can't do. Can't do. So overall, it seems labels are a very messy concept, which is quite ironic because we use labels to organize things. But labels can help you communicate, navigate your sense of identity, and find a supportive community. But at a fundamental level, labels are incredibly simplistic. Whether positive or negative, given by ourselves or others, labels can hinder us just as much, if not more, than they help us. And don't forget, everything I've said today goes for children too. So try not to let labels limit their potential. Be mindful when labeling children because it can affect the way they see themselves. Labels influence the way children are treated and what is expected of them, which in turn influences who they become. For example, a strong-willed child being labeled as stubborn or bossy versus determined and a leader. And don't forget for yourself and others, it's helpful to remember that labels help define you, yes, but they are not you. It's possible to make mistakes and do good things without being a failure or a success for that matter. I also feel that maybe the more labels we have, the more divisive we are. So people create groups and exclude others, and I think this is particularly common when thinking about race and religion and sexual orientation. It can be so exclusive, which defeats the whole point of having that common label and community with people. So given all that I've said, could tossing labels aside help us reach our true potential? I want to touch on the idea of being a nobody. Does the idea of being a nobody terrify you or liberate you? Going back to the chorus of this song by AJR, we established that we just can't win with people. You're always too something. There's always going to be someone who dislikes you. But the chorus says, I guess the last time you had any fun was way back when you weren't anyone. So goodbye, ordinary people. We had quite the run, didn't we, though? But you've got to be somebody sometime. And I don't want to pack up and leave. When you're nobody, then nobody minds. Could life feel more free by being a nobody? There's a poem by Emily Dickinson. I'm nobody, who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us, don't tell. They'd advertise, you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public, like a frog. To tell one's name the livelong June to an admiring bog. The idea is to say that being anonymous can be quite nice, whereas being somebody is exhausting, constantly having expectations to meet. Now, there's a drama about Emily Dickinson, and season two focuses on this poem. It actually has nobody as a character, and that's who Emily's speaking to in this clip. So a bit of context for it. One of her poems has just been published for the first time, and it's been a struggle to get there, and a whole battle with fame and not but she wakes up invisible when this poem is published and she hears what everyone has to say about the poem.
being invisible, it's power. You can be or do whatever you want, no labels, no expectations. I think that sounds so appealing, so free. Now, don't get me wrong, labels can be extremely helpful and efficient, but they need to be more adaptable. We need to use them wisely, because you are more than any label that you have. So here's my proposal. I study emotions, and there are two ways to look at emotions, categorical and dimensional. Now, the categorical view has distinct categories like happy and sad, and the dimensional view has emotions on a continuous scale of valence and arousal. Now, I think we should use labels with a dimensional view. It creates this gray area. So be flexible with your perceptions about others and try not to beat yourself up with rigid binaries. Just because you're a caring person doesn't mean you'll live your life without hurting anyone. Life is much more stressful with complex web of labels and you end up holding yourself and others back. So maybe we should just be nobody. No labels, just be. How many people have tried to describe what Q is to others? And how many people have struggled to find all the right words and resorted to, you just have to be there to get it? That's the best way to get to know you. You just have to be there to get it. Not to hear from you or someone else that you're kind, but to see it in an act of kindness myself. Now, I could have made a whole day of this topic, giving you tasks and everything, but I'll just finish on this quote. I understand that we're using labels to communicate, but let us always remember that the labels do not have to define or confine you unless you allow them to. So wear every label very loosely, because before the label existed, you existed. Thank you. Wasn't that fantastic? Clear, concise, absolutely brilliant. And for me, just the perfect sound of cue uh, with our constant willingness to challenge these ideas. So I hope you've got something from that today. Uh, for me, the thing that I took, took away from it was the idea of holding labels lightly. Um, uh, there's a great Buddhist concept where um, Buddha says to the man, what's that in your hands? And he says, nothing. And his reply is, then let it go. So the idea is that we live as nothingness, and in that, that's where the greatness occurs. Um, and interesting, when you were talking about how do we, you know, um, there's a complexity of life, there's dimen it's dimensional. And I was thinking of how do you describe Q? And this has been one of the greatest wrestles for us here in the leadership team. Um, and there's a scripture in, I don't know, I think it might even be Ecclesiastes. I don't know why I was reading that, but it's in there. Um, it says, life is a corkscrew that can't, cannot be straightened out. And I remember years back, we were taught about the idea that why would you want to straighten it out? Because if it's not a corkscrew, you can't access the wine and it's the wine that brings life. And sometimes we can be desperately trying to fix all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is it's in embracing the variance that actually means that we can access the very thing that we're trying to find. Um, and throughout it all, I don't know whether you've, you've realized with, with the talk, even from the idea of group identity at the beginning, 
it's kind of a paradoxical conversation. Um, this idea that labels are useful, but also can potentially be a hindrance. And, and paradoxes, it's, it's crazy because we live our lives trying to eradicate paradoxes, but the truth of the matter is the very problem with a paradox is it can't be eliminated because it just is what it is. Um, and I had a, a discussion with Kev this week um, on the phone about Alcoholics Anonymous um, and the 12 steps to recovery. Um, and the opening statement is a bit like what we, uh, Danny and Kev both spoke about in pointing and acknowledging. You have to get up and you have to say, hi, I'm X and I'm an alcoholic. And Kev went, yeah, even 10 years after recovery, when you haven't drunk a drop, you still have to say, hey, I'm X and I'm an alcoholic. And I said, a part of me loves that, but a part of me also really dislikes it. Because it's how can you say, hi, I'm X and alcoholic, when potentially for the last 20 years of your life, you haven't drunk a drop. Now, for me, the thing that I got from that was, it's um, one of the terms that was used again years back in one of the talks was, I have wounds, but I have no pain. And the idea that when we say, hi, I'm X and this, but you no longer are that, it's a representation of where you've come from. And I think having a label to say, okay, I am no longer this, look at the delivery process and the freedom process that's occurred. I think that there can be, that can be an incredible part of your story. And alongside that, I thought about Simon the leper. The idea that, was it right to label him a leper? Yes, because if you didn't label him a leper, you potentially would go near him and catch leprosy. So it was healthy in identifying Simon as a leper to keep you safe. But the writers still referred to him as Simon the leper even after he was no longer a leper. And the truth of the matter was, is the story was about, yes, I'm calling myself a leper, but look, I've been delivered from that label despite the fact that I once was that. So for me, the paradox of having a label and saying, look, I was this, but I'm no longer this, it can also be part of your story of showing where you've come from. One of the greatest songs I think we sang was the one that Connie used to do was, I, I know where I've been from Hairspray. Um, it, it's the idea of a constant journey to the promised land. The truth of the matter is, did those people as part of that movement, they understood the labels that were inflicted upon them, but they also knew where they could get to by challenging the status quo. Um, so thank you again, Amel. It's been absolutely incredible. We really appreciate your contribution. I hope it's been helpful to you all. That brings me to close by saying, we've decided that on the 4th of February, that's the correct date, right? The 4th of February, Sunday the 4th of February, we're gonna do an open mic morning. Now we haven't done one for a long time. Remember testimony meetings. I kept saying it in the meeting, I was saying, like a testimony service. And Kev was like, we probably won't call it that. Um, why? <laughs> um, an open mic kind of, 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 of event where it will give some of you the opportunity to bring your thoughts and your contribution based on things that you've heard over the past few months or maybe the past few years that you feel has challenged you, um, has brought you to a better place within your life or that you maybe don't have answers for yet, that you can say, this is what I've heard, I don't get it, but I just wanna share where I am in my life just to keep the conversation flowing. So I wanted to give you enough time, it's in two weeks, 
to think. We don't want any mic hoggers. We want to give people the opportunity to give their thoughts. Um, but yeah, so have a think, put together something. Because again, we don't want it to be that we come and no one has anything to say and that we all end up kind of, I mean, we'd like to take a little bit of a back step to give you the opportunity to, uh, to speak. So be thinking about it anyway. Lots of love to you all. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you soon. You take care, thanks. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>